Hello, 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 and welcome. My name is Rachel Ivy, and you are listening to the Blueprint Podcast, where we create conversations all about the construction community. chatting with Jerry Lewis and Vince Bass from the Catalyst Group. Um, and they have an exciting project that they want to share with us and give us all the history, the good details about a project that they're working on. So we're going to jump right in. But before we get started, let's let's get a little background. So Jerry, tell us, what, what who are you? What do you do? Well, you know, for the past 35 years, I've been in the field of construction. Okay. And so over the years, I've kind of kind of morphed into general contractor, subcontractor, developer, and have been doing work throughout the city and the suburb, suburban areas, and also throughout various different states. Okay. So given that role, it's been, it's been a joy to be able to structure something that was meaningful in the black community. Okay, so you're a veteran in this construction I'm game. I'm a veteran in okay, this Okay, okay. Absolutely. And who we got here? Vince, what, tell us about you. Uh, so my background is kind of vast, so um, I'm new in the development space, but I've been doing brand building for at least the last 30 years from the entertainment industry, from the liquor industry, and I transitioned into government, and now I find myself in the private sector doing some things, just always building brands. And so my whole philosophy is that it's the same hustle, different product. Same hustle, different product. Okay, so what is it with Catalyst? So what does Catalyst have to offer? Why is everybody excited about what you guys are doing? So I think, uh, well, first of all, we're excited for Catalyst because, again, uh, Catalyst was put together for the purpose of this project, and we were blessed to be able to be a part of this project because uh, just a quick little background story, uh, this project has been lingering around for about three or four years. and But Catalyst, as a group, we just got involved in the last year. And what happened is that the uh, the owner, who's our partner, Walt Brown, he basically got into a situation where the, the community came against him. He was having problems trying to do what he wanted to do. And he got an offer to sell to make it a cemetery. So we're talking mm. 130-acre cemetery, and they had it all the way down to 28,862 grave sites is what it would yield. And okay. our partner, Jeff, was like, you know, hey, there's no economic development in no cemetery. You know, dead people don't pay taxes. And That's so, a good point. And uh, taxes, um, they make the city work, right? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. It's economic development to its finest. And so uh, as a group, uh, Jeff uh, recruited myself, Jerry, our partner, Curtis Thompson, and our other partner, Val Thomas. And I like to call us like the super friends, like the Justice League. Everybody okay. has their own little piece that they're good at. And so when y'all came together, it was just like, okay, we deploy the best teammate to get that job done. So depending on what your specialty is, it's like that's who we had to be the lead. And then we all just formulated behind that person. So like you remember in the Justice League, if it was something in the air, they sent Superman mm-hmm. and Wonder Woman. If it was something in the water, they sent Aquaman. You know, if it was something that's on the land and they needed Batman, he had all the little tricks and things. So it's like you put everybody together and actually you'll be able to kind of solve anything. And that's kind of how we attach this problem. I mean, attack this problem. I love it. All right, yeah. Justice League. Now, Jerry, what kind of cape you wear? What, what's your cape? What's your role? Well, <laughs> Jerry is the man. <laughs> Jerry's Mr. X. Jerry's the, the eyes. Jerry's all of that. <laughs> well, it's, you know, in development, there's always that front. 
end of the process. The front end of the process is very important because of the fact that you want to put your best team up front. Mm -hmm. And so over the years, I've been able to collaborate with guys such as Langdon Neal as our zoning attorney, Ernest Sawyer as our our TIF consultant, Mm -hmm. Gary DeClark as our marketing and, and property analysis. So what we did is we, we, you know, I'm that collaborative person that knew the professionals you got and the resources and, and I had the resources right. yep. and the relationships to actually kickstart this whole development. And so what we, what we wanted to do is not just do a development. We wanted to do something that was inclusive of African-Americans. Okay. And so one of the reaches that we did was that I interviewed a young man by the name of Johnny Mullins as our architect and our our master planner. And during that interview process, I found something interesting about the young brother, and he was actually a community psychologist. Okay. And, and so, and he had his doctorate's degree in that. So combining his experiences that he's had over the years and taking architecture, engineering, community psychology, and developing uh, within the black community was a key component to putting together what we call the town center. So, and we took all those elements and we made it, you know, it combined with us, it was very important and it, and it actually became a great team. And we were able to present a product that we're currently presenting today. So give me a little more background on the product. So we got the super team in place. Why do you feel like the super team was needed? And mm-hmm. what makes this project so different? Like, I know why it's different. I mean, mm-hmm. um, but I want to know, can you tell our listeners why this this project, one, is different? Right. And um, the benefits the Hazelcrest community will see okay. as a result. Well, one of, one of the major, major differences is, as you as everybody can see, uh, throughout the Illinois and throughout the United States, malls are on a decline. Yeah, and, I feel that. <laughs> and, and so because that major decline means that, you know, it's not that we don't have the money to spend. It means that it doesn't have enough activity to, to collectively take a family and, and bring them to that site because malls are meant for parents. They're not meant for kids. They don't, they don't have a holistic environment that's inclusive. Yeah, JJ, he not coming. No. <laughs> <laughs> he don't want no parts you know, of it. And, and husbands don't want part of right. it. Yeah, they don't the, want no parts you of know, it. So, so what we felt was that what was prevalent at, in my travels throughout the United States was that these town center concepts were growing, especially in San Francisco, California, you know, Florida, New York, and all of these outlying areas, this town center concept, which was inclusive of kids, fathers, families, it had activities that were very, very interesting to everybody and not just the wife for shopping. It was, it had art studios and it has children activities, play centers and all of these things. So, and it was a visitor Mecca. So visitors coming in from out of state and various different locations could literally stay at the hotel go to the town center, they could jog, they could ride their bikes, the kids can go to the water park, the, uh, there's, there, they, can, they can attend an athletic venue, and there were several, and they can go shopping. And then they could sit out for restaurants and go to a, go to a, a, a park that had water features and things of that nature. So that was very, very important, which makes our project different. 
And I think what also, uh, when you ask, like, um, how to catalyst as far as, like, dealing with that product, what's important is that our product is totally different than the original plan that was presented at this space. What was the original plan? So the original plan that was presented was an intermodal trucking facility. So we're talking about 96 acres, I think, a big trucking facility that's going to house about 1,500 trucks in the whole nine, and that's a, that was the original plan. And so... Uh, when that plan was, you know, questioned and the community came out against it, the way Catalyst came, we got involved is that we took his original plan and looked at it ourselves, like, you know, what's here for the community? Mm-hmm. And because, you know, our partner wasn't from here, no one even, he didn't even think of that. So his answer to that was a couple of retail spots, a bank and something else. You know, we're like, uh, that's it. Yeah. He was going to move it back instead of it being 50 yard, I mean, 50 feet from the, um, street he was like we're gonna move back 100 and we looked at all that like uh so again what's for the community and when we looked at that and we started talking to people in the community and we had like an advisory board and they weren't all from Hazelcrest but they were from surrounding areas and we came up with some of the things that they were talking about and we said okay let's add this to the plan we got 130 acres or like 90 something acres to build on let's parcel this out and let's look at what the community is looking for and so as a group Catalyst, we were able to get into the community, talk to people, talk to professionals. Jerry had the professionals on the services side. We got with community and, you know, myself, Jeff, Curtis, you know, Val, they're all from out in the Southland. I've got a a nice reach in the Southland. So we were able to talk to different people, pull the resources together and come up with this plan and present it to Walt Brown. And that's how Catalyst got involved because once we showed him our plan, he liked it so much. He was like, look, man, this is great, and if you all can do this, I'm willing to give you site control and give you all the ma- the majority ownership of this property because it's not about me right now. It's about what Catalyst is doing because you all really care about your community. And our whole answer to that was like, we'd love to take this process on, but at the same time, he had to have some confidence in us because he got a $20 million offer to make it a cemetery. Mm-hmm. And he was like, if I was really about the money, he told us, he said, look, man, we can all go to the Bahamas and split up some money and y'all can come back and do what you want to do. And we was like, yeah, but there's no legacy building in that. We could have made some money and then we'd have just been the sellouts that everybody talks about. And it was important for us to have this project to be showing that it's for the community. And if we were about the money, we would it'd be a cemetery. Got it. Well, I'm excited about it. So tell us what's in it. I hear we got aquaponics. We got some retail. Get a, get, I'm excited because I've seen it. But tell the listeners, what what, what can they so look I, forward I, to? I'll start with the few things that are dear to me, right? Jerry knows the whole site and the whole nine. What's dear to me is like right now, the clubhouse. Clubhouse. You know, so <laughs> it's a stone building. It's been there since 1901. And so to knock it down, it would have been $2 million. So instead, we're looking at repurposing that and actually making it, turn it into, we've got like some concept, uh, Saluki Lounge Restaurant and then Tusk uh, Cigar Lounge, as well as making like for those people who have not golfed there before, but still want to golf, we're looking at putting simulators in the basement and basically repurposing that whole clubhouse to kind of entertainment venue as not so much as venue, but where people can rent it for the actual uh, weddings and business meetings and things of that nature, something for the community. We've got a swimming pool there, so we're looking at doing a lot of things, you know, again, for the community. So we're starting with that building, and then the other thing that's dear to me is basically we ain't about to do this one yet, but a hotel, we're looking at putting a hotel, like, right on the corner of Dixie and 175th and 
uh, Dixie Highway because we're literally 1.4 miles away from the actual casino that's okay. being proposed to be built over there in Homewood. And then the last building that really means a whole lot to me is that aquaponics, you know, the whole aquaponics piece, because we've seen how it worked over in Pullman. People can see it off the expressway in the whole night. I think the educational component of that, of people being un- understanding that with the food shortage in the whole nine, this is gonna, this is the future. And we've already been in co- t- talks with some of the school board districts and things and talking about educating and showing kids how to grow your own food and having this as a resource. So those are the things that I'm most excited about. Okay. So, but so I'll you Jerry. got the aquaponics, we got education over here, we got entertainment, yes. um, and eventually the hotel. Jerry, what's your yeah. favorite pieces? Well, well, I guess everything else. <laughs> so, so one of the things that, that I've encountered over the years is that, you know, a sports venue. You know, when you go to Southland and you go to, like, the larger high schools, they all have football fields. They have, they have baseball fields. They have soccer fields. And the youth leagues don't have anything. They have to play in park districts. And they don't play on AstroTurf like like it is in colleges or high schools. They have to play in grass. So one of the things that we did is we we designed a football stadium. And we designed it for multi-use. Right. It's, it's football. It's soccer. It's uh, lacrosse. lacrosse. It's rugby. And it's an AstroTurf type of field. It's an it's a artificial grass environment. And then what we did is we put an Olympic-sized track around the entire football field we have we have a full side full concessions and and everything so what we de- what we designed was a sports complex mm-hmm. and as probably if anyone knows me my background is sports yeah you know and I grew up in sports my grandkids are my son is we've traveled over the world and we've done a lot of different things but we felt there was a need to bring a bas- indoor basketball sports complex with volleyball and, and one of the things that we've talked about recently was a wrestling venue because you attend these wrestling venues. You know, I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All over, and they're packed. Packed. And, and it is amazing. You pull in a parking lot, the kid, it's over 1,000 kids attending these wrestling tournaments. So you see these venues, these sports venues, and they were, they were not inclusive of youth. And so, and then... Youths had no place to kind of play, and outside recruiters had no common area to come see multiple kids from all over. Mm-hmm. And so it was very important that we were able to create something that that would, would draw in the south suburban area and draw from all over so that these youths had places to play early on in which they would encounter when they went to high school and college and things of that nature. So they were trained on the surfaces that they were eventually going to grow up on. Mm -hmm. So we collaborated with that and we brought in a basketball venue, uh, indoor sports complex. Okay. So indoor and outdoor, indoor and outdoor sports complex, which has basketball, volleyball, wrestling, and all of those interior types of venues, which would allow you know, crowds to come in and watch kids from all over. Mm-hmm. And then in a compliment to that, we felt that in the Southland, everyone had to travel to go to water parks 
And the war, you'd have to go to Wisconsin to yeah, enjoy. I'm excited. Oh yeah, and you'd have to go to, up in Indiana. So so it was important that we did an indoor water park facility, and that if we would make it a mecca of every, an entertainment for every age, regardless of how small you are to the to the adults. And that was that was first and foremost important. Secondly. I think, as everyone knows, is that I'm big in training. I'm big in promoting individuals and African Americans in in the field of construction. Yeah, so I was just going to comment on. I'm I, I'm excited also about right. the training facility that's coming, the workforce development, the career and job opportunities that are um, that are coming to the area. So, Jerry, tell us just a little bit uh, more about that. Either you or Vince, either one. Okay, so I think. Jerry, it'd be best to talk about that. You know, Jerry, go ahead and speak on yeah. that because so, really our partner Curtis is actually the lead when it comes to the, with the National Association of Minority Contractors. NAMAC. NAMAC, mm-hmm. exactly. But mm-hmm. Jerry, like I say, they, he yeah. speaks well on that. So so what happened was that one of our partners, again, as Vince, as Vince mentioned early on, what we did is we brought the super friends in. Okay. And, and, and Curtis's super role was that he has a connectivity with NAMAC, the National you know, Association for, for Minority Contractors. He's the president here. And he's of that the chapter. president here of that chapter. So their draw was in various different states throughout the United States. And then in the collaboration with with Miss Rachel Ivey. Communities and Power Through Construction. <laughs> yeah. So I get a cape too, you guys. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So so what we wanted to do, we created and we needed a training facility where people could come in. It's a 10,000. We're building a, a new 10,000 square foot building attached to an, an older 4,000 square. So we're going to have between 14,000 to 15,000 square foot training facility, which is unheard of in mm-hmm. the Southland period. So and, and that, which is what, you know, we wanted to complete that circle. Yeah, I was just going to say, so it's one thing to have training, but at the end of the day, you want to have jobs so that you can uh, institute the training that you learn. So it doesn't doesn't do you any good to have the training and then have nowhere to go. This, once again, is full circle with having somewhere to go, having some way or some opportunities. What do those opportunities look like? Well, it, the, the the site itself as a whole will create over 7,000 construction jobs. Hmm. And, and, and never before has there been a Mecca that will allow us to take individuals and businesses from, from training to jobs, mm-hmm. you know, and completing that circle was so important to us. And that, that spans across in construction alone from electrical, plumbing, HVAC, excavation, surveying, and, and every trade within the construction industry. But because it's such a vast site, it's going to create over 6,000 permanent jobs. Mm-hmm. And those permanent jobs are, and like we're going to plan on having a prefabricated warehouse yeah. for, for homes yeah. and, and to be able to train individuals to work technology and things of that nature. Um, we, the site is going to be a geothermal site. So and what that means is that it'll be energy savings. And with the new energy bill that's been passed, right. we're looking to have that training component mm-hmm. within the site. And we will probably be the first geothermal training component in the, in probably in Illinois. And I, I think uh, just to jump in real quick, because, you know, 
we still have some retail space on there as well, and we're looking at doing a mixed-use condo building. But the whole geothermal piece, what makes that so important is that, you know, when people are asking what's going to make you all site different from the sites that are already being, that already been built. Mm-hmm. The difference being with these sites, with the new buildings being built that are totally green and being basically heated, heated and cooled by this whole geothermal concept, it's going to drop the actual price of heat and gas basically and air and cooling significantly. They're talking about down to 50 to 25 percent. You know what I'm saying? It's what people be paying. So it's like a 75% savings, and that's what's attractive to a lot of the people that are looking at new ways of engaging their consumer where they can't go to these big, huge warehouses and things like that. And I think we'd also be remiss because the big elephant in the room that we have not spoken on, and it's not because we don't want to, but we're leading up to part of those jobs is we're actually having a warehousing space that's in the middle of that. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It's kind of like a compromise because at the end of the day, it's not what people think it is, you know what I mean? And I think that's what's always key for us to point out because that's what our opposition has always been talking about is that we're making it an industrial piece. Mm-hmm. And it's not that at all, you know, whatsoever. And that's why I want, you know, if Jerry can, like I say, he's the he's the developer and knows the difference. So, Jerry, if you can yeah. just let him the whole intermodal versus warehousing and the importance of how that's going to create jobs as well. Yeah, So so basically... You know, an inter, an intermodal facility is is a place where tractors and trailers are parked. So when you come in off the road, you bring your you bring cross dock merchandise in, and hundreds and hundreds. So there's over like nineteen hundred parking spots in an intermodal trucking facility, mm-hmm. and the warehousing is less than three hundred thousand square feet. So when a truck comes in, it cross dock. It takes the merchandise, it puts it within the within the facility, then it spreads it out amongst multiple multiple trailers. And those trailers stay overnight for several several weeks until the amount of merchandise comes in to start redistributing it. And and the difference and and as everyone know, COVID-19 was detrimental to the United States. For the first time we've been in a position that we could not supply stores and yeah, we couldn't and get goods. We couldn't right. get goods, yeah. products and goods. So we learned our lesson. Mm-hmm. It was a harsh lesson, but we learned it because um, we weren't able to bring product into warehouses and supply our stores. So the warehouse market grew tremendously. So that 1,900 square feet, I mean, parking spaces went to went to about 1,900 square feet of warehousing product. Mm -hmm. So it's, and no truck trailers, no overnight, no idling of massive trucks. We've reduced that down tremendously, and now we're able to supply within the warehousing industry, supply the Walmarts and the stores throughout, and the smaller retailers, Mm -hmm. so that they'd have products and we wouldn't run out. So there's a major difference in that concept. You know, so and we're, we're we're able to, and it's what the it's the direction that U.S. is going to. And I, and I think just jumping in on there because we always keep talking and hearing about trucks, 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 and you know, truck no and the whole nine. But our whole world is based around trucking, and right now because there is a new ordinance that's been signed or that's been signed into law, where every by the time we're going to be finished with our whole warehousing piece. 85% of all fleets will have to be electric. So as far as like the noise, as far as the pollution and things of that nature, 
that's really a non-factor for this site and facility. And I think even with the reduced, exactly, not only will we have a reduced trucking site, but there's reduced traffic as well as there's not going to be as many trucks as we've shown in our traffic study, which is the difference between an intermodal trucking facility and the warehousing that we've actually proposed so that when people understand and they see now that we've actually gotten in bed with uh, the village of Hazelcrest and they're actually our partners right now. So we'll be like educating people on actually what this really is and what it is not. Right. And just to compliment Vince on what he, with the electric in between that time, we are going to have it's zero emissions. Okay. So by the time as we work to that point, of of eighty to ninety five percent electric, it's still we're under zero emissions clause by the by the emissions. I got some economic development, which is the one that I'm really excited about. So, Jerry, if you had to do two terms, two key things, what are the key things for you that the project is bringing? Well, it's bringing economic development. It's bringing it's bringing wealth to the African American community. Okay. So and, and so. Jobs and wealth are, are really key for our survival. Okay, so jobs and wealth. I'm economics. Oh, I forgot retail. I do like shopping. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, two for me then, because I've been the sole one of our group in Catalyst that is not does not live in the Southland, so I'll actually be moving okay. to the mixed-use condo building that we're talking about building. So that's going to be big for me because, again, there's a lot of, families and people that are looking to relocate, right? And they don't want a, a house necessarily, mm-hmm. right? But we're talking about three-bedroom, two-bedroom, and one-bedroom condos, so that's going to be big for me. I think that's going to be we're right in the middle of a major uh, hub, basically. We're across street from the metro. We're down, you know, the tollway is right there, so that's going to be big for me. And then, again, just the overall excitement that we're being able to bring to Hazelcrest because there's so many things that are surrounding Hazelcrest that are going on in Homewood. Like there's a casino going to be in Homewood, right? There's mm-hmm. all kind of development in Homewood, but what do we hear about Hazelcrest? So this whole title and the development itself and being able to build with the community of Hazelcrest and being able to feel proud about what we're doing and working with them for them, you know, I'm excited about that. Okay, and then last thing, where can people go and get more information? So if they want to find out more about Catalyst, they want to find out more about the project itself, where, where should they go? Well, at this point, we are we are actually develop in the midst of developing a new website. Okay. So that that's er- inclusive with the village. That's because inclusive. Like I say, now we're not on our own. It's like now we can start building with the village to educate. Right, and then so we're, we're that should be rolling out within the next two weeks, mm-hmm. and then we're also hosting meetings at the Calumet Country Club, and and we're sending out we will be sending out flyers on the on the village of Hazelcrest network exactly to inform residents and multiple people individuals of what we're doing out there because everything that's on the site we're not saying it's final right now but this is what our plan is is we're getting zoning for so we look forward to the community building with us because there's some ideas we may not have thought about we were approached about it being a solar field having a solar field so like i say we've got 120 100 acres to basically work with okay and so just to wrap it up, Jerry, what you said that you guys meet on Thursday or how often are the meetings? The, the meetings are every Thursday okay. at six o'clock at the Calumet Country Club in Hazelcrest. Is there an address? Which is 2136 West 175th Street. 
All right. Well, thank you, Hazelcrest, Illinois. Hazelcrest. <laughs> <laughs> Shouts out to Mayor Osbury and all the trustees over there. Okay, good. Well, thank you guys so much for coming and hanging out with us just a little bit. I hope that our listeners were, um, got some feedback or got some good information from it. And then to our listeners, if you guys have any comments, um, please uh, put them below and be sure to subscribe to the Blueprint Podcast so you never miss a new episode. The Blueprint Podcast is a Base Magazine production, so be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Base Magazine. Visit our website at www.basemagazine.com. Until next time, see you guys later. Bye.